Welcome to the Coffee and Questions podcast. I am your host, Michelle Berman-Michael, and my mission with this podcast is simple, to help realtors and loan officers across the world tap into the value Instagram can have for them and their business. To me, organic business that comes to us is the name of the game. On this show, you're going to hear from myself, other experts across social media, and also others that are just like you selling real estate and doing loans and doing it at a high level on social media. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Coffee and Questions podcast. I am live actually from Destin, Florida this week, which is super fun. Uh, My entire team came down here with me to just spend a week with the beach as our view and just get some shit done, if you know what I mean. So Super excited to be here, but more importantly, I am extra, extra excited about this incredible guest that I have for you guys today. None other than Lee Brown. She is known for a lot of things, but uh, one of my favorite things about her is Crazy Shit in Real Estate, her podcast, if y'all haven't listened to that. I have been on it, but more importantly, every person that she has had on the show just gets it. That's all I got to say. So go listen to that. There's some wild stories, but Lee is a national speaker. She's a realtor in North Carolina. She's doing all of the things really, really well. And we have a really special episode today that I think is pertinent to what's going on in our world, regardless of your view on all of that. I think it's just a really good, special conversation that we're about to have. But Lee, thank you so much for being here. Um, If my audience probably doesn't know all of you or know a lot about you, I should say. um, So why don't you just go ahead and introduce yourselves to us and then we'll get rolling. Well, I can talk about all the things and it would take forever. So I'll just say I've got two teenagers at home and a husband. I have 42 chickens and three cats. I'm all about self-sustaining with my garden and my ammo. And my, well, frankly, we have meat chickens and layers. That's a whole different conversation. Chicken people will understand. And I'm a 22-year realtor who has spoken on five continents and in 49 states I love supporting entrepreneurs. I love giving out hugs to people who feel really lost in the world. And I think social media is both a poison and a salve for everything that goes on in our lives. And so that's a short answer. But if you don't know me yet, you should probably go to Instagram. That's my favorite place. And then we can be friends. And the thing I love about her Instagram for all of you guys listening is she responds to all of her own comments and DMs, um, which is so important. So those of you guys who... Is that uh, what we call it? Social media? Yeah, weird. Mm-hmm. Really weird. I, I have no, I've never even heard of this term social media. So I'm confused as to like what it actually does for you, but you know, um, but the title of our episode that we're going to get into, we're going to, we're going to really talk about it in extreme depth, because again, I really genuinely believe that our world needs to have this conversation. Um, God person or not a God person. This is something that I think everyone can really relate to. Um, but I want to talk about stopping this uh, pandemic of like praying for an easier market, right? Um, everybody's like, oh my gosh, the market's so hard. This is so hard. What do I do? And um, and we've had clients just in the last weekly and you'll die um, who have retracted their marketing dollars. They're like, I'm not spending any more money on any of this because the market's slow um, or my business is down, right? Um, and I had another wonderful lady, Kelly Rogers on um, two weeks ago with me. And we talked about not confusing a success with a tailwind or your success with a tailwind which as we know, the last couple of weeks, or sorry, the last couple of years was this huge tailwind for both real estate agents and loan officers. But the true people who are successful um, right now, they're not worried about being slow. If anything, they're more busy than ever. Um, and I think that you, you can pour into people really in depth about this and why we need to not be worrying about 
oh my gosh, the market's slow. And, and I think we're looking at it wrong, right? We're praying for it to be easier when we should be praying it for it to be a different way. So I'm going to let you run with that. And then I think we'll just keep rolling from there. Well, I mean, in my 22 years, I've seen a lot of different markets. I came in in 2000 in a normal-ish market, and then it rode up. And then we hit the Great Recession in 07, and the phones literally stopped ringing, as in we were all checking them, saying, oh, my gosh, is it broken? Nothing's happening. We had to adjust and roll. A lot of people fell out of the market. And then as the market started to recover, it wasn't a bounce out. It was an army crawl out. And the army crawl started in about 14. And so as your army crawling out, Things were getting better. More and more competition enters the market. And then we have things were already doing very well. The insane government lockdowns hit and suddenly people stopped and panicked for about a minute and said, <gasps> market's dead. And then suddenly they said, oh, no, 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 no. I'm at home. I can't do this anymore. And then phew, and the real estate market went wild. So you had this whole choo -choo -choo at the beginning of 2020. And we now have more realtors than we've ever had in the history of real estate at 1.6 million. So you have more competition than ever. While housing has become arguably more important than ever, you have the pent up demand. And so there is a lot of panic amongst professionals in the market. But what you have to know is that in no, no matter what's happening in the market, houses are bought and sold. My business was growing every single year during the recession. That was the best time in my real estate business. I was I got to number one in the Charlotte market because when other people stop working, when other people panic, when other people give up, you have an opportunity. You can dial in and really take market share back while they are panicking. It's kind of like December. Every year, December's like this. Christmas yeah. starts to roll around. Hanukkah starts to roll around. People know it's going to get a little quieter. So what do a lot of realtors do? They stop working. Exactly. Like, well, it's it's going to be quiet. So I'm going to wait. So while you're not working, some of us are working. And when we're doing our work every day, we're just continuing to grow market share. So you, you have to stop looking at the market as what determines your level of discipline and your level of activity. It's you that has to determine your level of discipline and activity. And now I say all this, as somebody who's heavily involved in the politics and policy of real estate, I totally have concerns and worry about the future of real estate and the future of property rights. But I can simultaneously worry and work. And you have to figure out how to balance that. It's just it's being a grown up. Frankly, that's what we're talking about here is being a grown up. Yeah. And it, uh, you said in worrying versus work, right? Like we can worry well, it's about a balance of both. Right. So yeah. you can worry, but you can't stop working. By the same token, you can't just work and not pay attention. So you should look, any rational human being has a little bit of unrest right now as to what's happening in the world. Unrest as to what's happening with our elites running our government. Unrest as to what's happening with regulation and with policies and with public perception of real estate. I mean, what's happening in our profession is game changing, but you can't stop working while you're paying attention. You can influence both. It's a, it's a choice you have to make, right? And people are always like, well, you know, how are you able to do all this? Don't you sleep? No, actually, I don't sleep very well. It's not good for my health that I don't sleep, but I do pay attention and I read all these things and I don't put blinders on. I mean, how many people do we know right now, Michelle, that have said, I don't watch the news anymore. I don't listen to the news. I can't handle it. I get it. But hiding from it doesn't make it go away. I prefer to be the one who dials in and says, you know what? I ain't letting y'all run these things. I'm going to be a part of the decisions. And that's part of how you work through a challenging market. I mean, it's a challenging market. 
it's going to get more challenging. And I say, bring it because as it gets more challenging, a lot of people will say, you know what? I thought it looked good on HGTV, but this is a hard chat. And so they will go away and I will be so glad when they go away. That's fine. There will be always houses bought and sold, even if it becomes a more stratified market. I'm just going to be in the game. Yeah. And I think to tie this in, because this is this is popping into my brain, right? The the Bible tells us not to worry, right? The Bible tells us that we are Do supposed to let we're supposed to let worry go. We're supposed to like put it on God because God can get up that mountain or Jesus can get up that mountain with it on his back and, and t lighten our load. Right. And I think that, um, you know, my business is a very similar example to I'm, I'm not a real estate agent, right? I don't actively sell real estate. Um, I serve real estate agents and loan officers and have for almost eight years. But what I can tell you is that my two best years ever were 2019 and 2020, or I'm sorry, 2020 and 2021. Um, so COVID, right? And now we're into 2022. And I had a discussion with my team yesterday about how, despite everybody in the real estate industry being like, man, the market's crap. We're making more money this year than we made last year. Like it's year over year. I think we're last I looked at it was like, we were up like 15, 16%, which most people would say, oh, that's not that much. But if you look at the volume and what that actually equates to in numbers, that's a lot of money, right? So what I want to have a conversation about is you said there's a balance between worrying and working. And what I can say is in this market, right? Yeah, there's worry. I had conversations with my girls and I said it might get slow because real estate agents might not spend money on our type of product. But what can we do? How can we pivot and how can we make our business and our offer so grand slam that nobody's going to say no to it? Um, and I think that that's an opportunity for you guys, right? As real estate agents, how can you position yourself? How can you have conversations about hard shit on social media so that people actually want to call you and say, Lee, you know, everybody else is making me really worried. Am I supposed to be worried right now? Like, is it still okay to buy a house? Well, it's channeling your worry, right? So when when you and your team have those hard conversations, it's not throw your hands up. It's okay. So here's what we're seeing. Here's what we're feeling. Here's how we pivot. And it's the same thing in real estate is we see these things happening. How do we pivot? One of the biggest conversations realtors have to be having right now is what does it mean to belong to an MLS? Because for all these decades, we've just taken it for granted that we have this amazing free marketplace that allows us to let every one of our buyers see everything in the market and every one of our sellers be visible to the whole market. We have failed to capitalize on that story. So now we've got the DOJ yelling at realtors and trying to take over a lot of what's going on. And so as a realtor, when you see those things happening, you could just sit back and throw your hands up or you can say, all right, I need to take what's happening and bring the message home. And the same thing happens as markets slow down with interest rates. We are finally seeing after this initial little push, we didn't have a lot of impact on the market with the first rises in interest rates. But now it's high enough that people are realizing, woo, this changes my budget. So when that happens, are you going to sit back and say, oh, interest rates are high. Nobody can afford anything. Are you going to say, all right, so here's the strategy. When interest rates rise, then you do this. It's if this, then that, which is also very biblical. You look at everything that God told the people of Israel. If you will call my name, I will help you. It's always if this, then that. It's the same thing in real estate. So you got to pay attention to what's happening out there. Don't hide from it. Don't be a fear monger, right? Because you have to be 
a balance of truth telling and positivity because people can't handle it if you are all woe is me, which honestly, look how many realtors have made that mistake in the last couple of years, Michelle, where they're like, oh, there's no inventory. There's nothing to sell. We lost in multiple offers. Oh, it's all. Well, if you tell people it's awful, guess what? It's going to be awful. But instead, you got to say, I have strategies. I love helping my clients figure it out. And we don't win every time, but we win sometimes. And yeah. I'll take those wins. Learn how to take your wins. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that the interest rate conversation is a really good one. And I want to not miss this this point because this ties into social media content, right? I'm a I'm an Instagram guru. Everybody knows that. I know that Instagram is your favorite platform, but creating content is about creating conversation, right? And it's about having conversations about things that matter to the person, not to us, right? But matter to the person that we're trying to serve. So let's talk about interest rates for a second, right? Um, oh, there's so much higher. Um, oh, it, it, the affordability of buying a home, like your mortgage payment's going to be 2,400 instead of 2,000, be just with a different interest rate on the same purchase price. But as a loan officer, right? Or as a real estate agent, don't you have an opportunity to showcase how smart you are and how good you are at your job by saying, okay, I know what your budget is and I know you don't want to go over $2,000 a month. So here are my three goals or here are the three things that we can do to get you the same type of house that you want or the same type of house that your family needs within your budget, despite the fact that the interest rates are two points higher. Right. Or we become experts in complementary subjects. And so if somebody can't get the house they want, the house they've dreamed of, do you have a good Pinterest board that shows them how to stage something for space? Do you showcase how to cut out that place under the stairs and make it into a little bit of storage that they need for their family's purposes? You've got to be thinking about how people could adapt. We have spent so much time in the last, I don't know, 20 years Everything has to get bigger. Well, the house I grew up in and everybody else grew up in in North Carolina was three bedroom, one and a half bath, 1188 square feet. And that was fine for a family with five kids because the boys had one bedroom and the girls had the other one and mom and daddy had their room and we were fine. Instead, we're now in the era of everybody's got to have an ensuite bath and a walk-in closet. Maybe we need to scale back what we think is a need and go back to how do we manage our family here and get creative? So realtors are known for being great marketers and being great at communication. Start thinking about creativity when it comes to maybe they could make something else work. The other thing I would point out is when we start looking at these payment differences, realtors need to do a better job of paying attention to what the rents are in their market. Because it could be that if they think renting is their backup plan. Well, if rents have gone up, which in the Charlotte area, holy smokes, rents yeah. are out of control. 1800 bucks for a one bedroom. Well, if it's 1800 bucks for a one bedroom and their budget for buying a house was $1,600. Think about this, y'all. If the alternative is renting for 1800 when they can't buy for 1600 if they can afford the other one, they need to have a better conversation with the lender. And maybe that means you need to be paying better attention. I'm shocked by how many realtors don't know what the rents are in their marketplace. And you've got to be able to have that conversation. It's not that you're trying to make somebody spend too much. You're helping them evaluate their housing options. That's one of the most important roles of any realtor or loan officer is to be the one who says, let's sit down and look at the big picture. And one of the things that always gets left off in that big picture man, how many buyers could be doing better if they looked at a duplex instead of a single family? I mean, a lot of duplexes will have a three bedroom, two bath on this side and a three, two on this side. 
if you could live in one and rent the other one out, suddenly your number scenario changes dramatically. You might even be less than the payment that you originally looked at, even in a higher interest rate market. But you have to think creatively and think bigger, think longer term. I would so challenge my realtors out there to think differently, expand a little bit, get out of the lane you've always been in. Because what if there's a little turn lane over here? It's going to take you to an exit that takes you great places. Yeah. And now let's turn that conversation into all of that. The duplex conversation is brilliant, right? And I, I actually had a conversation with an agent the other day um, in our course who was trying to create what we call value series on how renting is bad versus or renting is not as easy um, on the pocketbook as you think it is, right? Um, meaning like you think renting is cheaper because you don't have to pay for insurance or if the roof goes out or all that, all that stuff. Right. Um, but in reality, it actually is exponentially more expensive. And so we had a creative conversation about how to create content for social without saying, Hey, hire me. Right. How can we say, Hey, hire me without saying that. Um, and the way they hire me because yeah, too many people don't give a because, and that's what we try to focus on with content is, if you're delivering value, you should deliver value and then say, hire me. It's not hire me because I'm cute. It's here's the information on your market. Hire me. But you have to have a call to action. Let's just be real. Too oh, many sure. people out there posting don't have any call to action, but you got to deliver something, y'all. I mean, the look at it. The reason we're not trusted as a profession is because we talk about ourselves. But the consumer oh, doesn't want to hear about you. They want to hear about something that they have questions about. They want answers. They want market information. They want to know what does it mean when interest rates go up? What is it? How do duplexes work? They want to know answers to questions. And then we are sitting over here talking about how great we are. That's where the disconnect comes in. Of course, there's no trust. Realtors, loan officers, you get trust by answering the questions the public has. It's that simple. Yep. I mean, I have a client, you'll love this. So I have a client who when she first decided I'm going to start using Instagram, she was like, well, my specialty is commercial, like multifamily. Yeah. And I do a lot of 1031 exchanges, but I swear she was in my class. I was teaching a class at a title company. She was in my class and she's like, but Michelle, like, I feel like nobody cares about 1031 exchanges. And I was like, no, the thing is, is that nobody knows what the hell that is. Right. That's the problem. Not that they don't care about it. It's that they don't know what they don't know. Right. So I personally, um, the last house we bought, we did it through a 1031 exchange. Like, so there's a lot of things that go into how you can create content about a niche conversation and do it in a way that is sexy and in a, in a way that does add value. And in a way that is going to attract the right type of people, even if it's a hard conversation or even if it's a weird conversation, right? I would beg somebody listening to this podcast right now to go create an entire Instagram account about buying duplexes and the value about buying duplexes, right? Or the value of what the cost benefits might be of a townhouse or a condo versus a single family. If you're somebody who works 12 hours a day and doesn't want to deal with the yard, like people, people fall into this like very cookie cutter crap. Right. And I was on a podcast yesterday, actually, um, saying why I hate infographics so much, because people love to put infographics out there and it makes them feel like, man, I'm so smart. Look at this piece of content I just put out. It's so informational. It's not at all. And the actually, really good infographics on Instagram are Matt Shirley. Do you follow his account? 
No, but I should. It's Matt S U R E L E E. And they're, they're snarky. I freaking love that account, but he's the only one I would follow for that. But let's talk about that 1031 piece for a hot minute. And yeah. you will be able to say amen to this. Too many people on social media are so focused on vanity metrics. They're worried about how many yeah. likes, how many comments they get. Forgetting that it's not how many people click on it. It's that you are appealing to the right audience. So if you put out the piece of 1031 content, no, that's not going to appeal to somebody who's not investing or who's not thinking about investing. It's not going to appeal to the person buying their first house. That's okay. Because if your goal is commercial multifamily doing 1031s, you should be talking to that very sophisticated audience and don't be afraid of that. I think we're, we're too dumbed down as a society. Let's just talk about that for a second where we only had one 30 second sound bites. And now we think 30 seconds is too long because you would do a 15 second story. I mean, sometimes your audience needs to be spoken to like they have the intelligence and they want to be matched with someone who mirrors that intelligence and elevates theirs. Maybe you should elevate other people instead of letting them dumb you down. I think, I think you need to stop period. People need to stop being worried about talking about hard or elevated concepts. Right. Um, and I think they need to be okay with this may fall on some deaf ears. This may fall on, or some people may not stop their scroll, right? Some people may just scroll right past this and that's okay. Uh, in many cases, that is what we want actually, right? We want to be a niche market. We want to be a person who specializes in a specific thing for a specific person because it actually makes more people want us, right? When I niched down to working exclusively with real estate agents and loan officers, I had more people outside of the real estate industry that have reached out to me than ever before, right? So when I was a, before, when I first created this Burma Media PD, right, it was, I had clients in 10 different industries, 15 different industries. And now I have two and I have people that reach out to me who are entitled. I have people who reach out to me that are roofers. I have people who are insurance agents who are like, like, I can clearly see that what you're doing is for real estate agents and officers, but like, do you think it could work for me? Right. And that's the power of this conversation in general for you guys as agents is niching down is not scary. If anything, it gives you an opportunity to make yourself more desirable because people are going to be like, damn, Lee is smart. Right. And they're going to just going to be like, if she knows all of that about all of that, what I think is my dumb question, she's going to be able to answer. Well, I was showing a piece of property yesterday. I love land and I love that I work in the county I grew up in. So I know this county. I know the city planners. I know the county officials. So as I'm showing this piece of land, I was able to tell my buyer, look, here's the information the listing agent doesn't know because the listing agent is from several counties away. And obviously he just listed it because of whatever relationship he had. That's fine. My buyer now has inside knowledge that's going to allow him to do big things in the future. And it's not that I'm doing anything illegal or any of that, but there's a depth of knowledge that can't be replicated. So what, where are you going to find your depth? Because you cannot be deep in all things. I tell you, it's one of the hardest things you have to accept as a real estate professional or even as a lender. I don't want to give my doctor to a lender who doesn't know doctor loans inside and out. And every lender I know will say, but we have one. Yeah, but do you know it and how it applies to residences, ver residences, residencies versus interns versus doctors versus partners versus somebody who's working here versus a contractor? They have to know everything and you can't know everything about everything. So as a realtor, figure it out. Is it geographic? Is it price point? Is it specialty product? Is it 
multifamily versus land versus condos and townhouses, first timers, is it golf people? Once you start to figure it out, it's exactly what you just said, Michelle. Other people will still want to use you, but they're actually drawn to you because they can see that you have elevated your level of knowledge. When you're trying to be all things to all people, then you're going to wind up getting tripped up. It's just going to happen. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it it just goes into this entire, the entire piece of what we're talking about, which is that people want the right person, not just any person. And I know that that's a cliche saying, but no, it's like getting married. Do you really want to be married to everybody you ever dated? Nope, no, definitely not. Um, I can for sure attest to that. Um, but the, the beautiful thing about this, right. Is that you create a lot of content and you are always on video. You're always showing up for people and you're having conversations about things that are really unique all the time. And you also do one thing really, really fun. Um, and really, really well. And I talk to my, especially my lady clients a lot, um, because they'll be like, I know like I'm supposed to do market updates, but like, how do I make those exciting? Cause they're not exciting. And I literally, you'll, I shit you not like you're, you probably notice on your Instagram and all of a sudden you get like this big influx of new followers, but I'm like, go look at Lee Brown because she talks about market updates in a way that makes it entertaining in a way that makes it really, really relatable. And it also makes it feel like you're talking to them. You're not standing next to a whiteboard being like, here's all of the beautiful things. It, or my favorite thing is when they post like the templates of the market stats for Phoenix, market stats for Mesa, market stats for Scottsdale, like as slides, nobody reads that. Nobody gives a shit at all about that, right? So it's, it's that type of stuff that's supposed to be like in a pamphlet that you hand to somebody, not on social media. Um, so for all the ladies in the house that are listening to you and even gentlemen for that matter, when you do a market update, what's your thought process when you hit record on that? Um, and how do you make sure that it hits where it needs to hit for the right person? So first of all, they always drop on Thursday mornings because the algorithms of the social networks, as you probably tell every one of your clients, are going to love consistent expected content. So that's when Market in a Minute drops on Thursdays. And by the way, y'all, if you go look at it and you want to copy it, knock yourself out. I mean, you rip off and duplicate. That's what R&D really is. So my goal with Market in a Minute is to showcase something about my market. And it's not generally the Charlotte market. That's too big. When I talk to somebody that's moving here, they've got some specific area in mind, some specific price range in mind, or maybe I've got a listing that's coming up. I want to showcase this specific area that's in. So there's always a reason for the area that I'm spotlighting. And then I'm going to break it down to the questions I get asked. So this goes back to that building of trust. What do the consumers want answers to versus what we're saying? So I don't talk about solds. And I had a, an agent ask me, why don't you talk about solds? I'm like, baby, that's past history. That doesn't have anything to do with what today's buyer and seller want to know. Today's buyer wants to know, Where's, where's the property? What's coming? So you talk about coming soon. And I always mention that they're not available for showings yet because this is a question the consumers have. I've answered it. Our real estate data doesn't explain our vocabulary. You've got to explain our vocabulary. I talk about actives. I mentioned that they may or may not have offers because the public gets highly irritated when they see that a house is available on an app. And then they call you and you're like, no, it's under contract. I, but it says available. And then we have to go back and undo all of that ill will. So I want to undo that right away. 
And then I talk about what's under contract because the ones that are under contract tell the story of today's market. They tell us if it is escalating, decelerating, or if it's sideways. It's not the solds that tell that story. It's the pendings. And so I want to give that quick snippet and I do it under 60 seconds so it can stay in a reel because that's how people consume content. And then I also post that on other networks. And you got to remember, too, if you want to reach a good audience, some are on Instagram, some are on Facebook, some are on LinkedIn, some are on YouTube. And so when you do a good piece of content that can be cross posted, absolutely, I'm going to cross post. Now, does do that put my views down a little do bit? It. it does, but I'm uploading it separately every time. I don't use a Hootsuite or any of that that will yeah. automatically post it because those will destroy you in the algorithms but I can organically upload it to these different networks. Just always ask yourself before you say something, am I answering a question I've been asked? And mm -hmm. if yes, then the language that I'm using, is it only obvious to people in the business or is it obvious to the general public? You take care of those two things, you'll get conversations going. For sure. I mean, without a doubt. I, your market in a minute thing is one of those, for me, it's like a constant go-to for people because it's, a lot of people, a lot of people do the Cromford report, right? They watch it and they get the data, which the data is wonderful. Like it's very, very in-depth math, right? Which is what the market is. But how do we make it make more sense to the average consumer? And that's what you do so well. And one thing you said that I think is really, really powerful. And it almost makes me want to talk about this on this coaching call that I have to get on shortly, but um, is that when you're producing content, it's not about what's already happened, right? Because if you look at solds, for example, if you're posting a sold that sold two weeks ago, that's what call it 60 days worth of market change that's happened. A lot can happen in 60 days, right? So if that sold two weeks ago, when did it go under contract? Probably three weeks before that. When did that original buyer even see it? Probably a week before that. So you're like, the timeline doesn't add up there, right? Because 60 days is a long time to see change happen. Um, and I remember when we, my husband and I sold our house in Phoenix and we were like, we were right at the tail end of when in Phoenix specifically, when houses were selling for 40, 50, $60,000 over asking. Um, and we were, my husband and I were like, oh, for sure, we're going to sell our house for $75,000, like over what we think we're going to get. We didn't right? We sold it for exactly what the market was at in our area, which was still like $175,000 more than what we paid for it in two years. But we didn't get these wild, crazy offers that were like just outrageous. Um, and so there was like, had like, we listed our house for sale, I believe it was like September 7th, right? And we knew we were going to list our house for sale in July. So what happened in July was different than what happened in, on September 7th when we actually hit list. Um, so I just think it goes back to what, what you're talking about. And I, um, I'm tying that up with a bow in my head, um, ultimately to, to make it make sense for everybody. But um, Lee, I do want to be a good steward of your time. And I know we could talk forever and we need to do this again so that we can talk again forever about more things. Um, but I want you to leave us with, with a thought about how we can pray for a stronger back, right? And you, you had mentioned something about this on social that I follow um, and you talk about it a lot and, and just your personality bleeds this, right? And I just want people to hear how you say or how you tell them to go into this marketplace right now, have a strong back 
and just crush it and stop instead of making excuses for everything. Well, you have to have some kind of a plan. And when you're in real estate, your plan is going to blow up every 10 minutes. And I get that. Something has to be non-negotiable in your life. For me, my non-negotiables are my run in the morning and my devotion time. Period. End of discussion. That happens way before I ever touch social media, before I ever look at my DMs or my emails or my text. I don't do anything until those are done. That's going to set me up internally to manage whatever happens in the course of the day. Yep. And so you have to figure that out. And for some of y'all, that might not be a run. That might be a walk. All right. As I'm going to tell you, motion is non-negotiable. And there's a reason that there's a high level of obesity in the real estate profession because we take care of other people first. You have to figure out how to handle this vessel, which is the only one you got. So do something. And then with the devotion time, maybe you don't know Jesus. I'll introduce you if you don't know him. He's a pretty cool guy. But you better figure out that something's bigger than you in life and that somebody's got your back. And that somebody's always God. And then when you get there, dude, everything else can be handled. So figure those out. And I'll also say part of my non-negotiables are supper with the kids and talking to my husband with no devices in our hands. So I make sure those things happen. Those tend to happen at the end of the day because teenagers don't get up in the morning. Yep. So that's fine. Figure it out. And I will tell you in this market, it's lonely. It's miserable. It's scary. I get all of that. You don't have to do this business by yourself. So you better find a way into some masterminds with decent, honorable people. And they're all over the place because yep. this business is full of great people. And yep. you just have to figure out how to discern who's into this for servant leadership and for growth. Who's in this just for the money and whichever group you land with. Just find your people that's it's doable out there. And if you're trying to find that tribe and you need some suggestions, then you should totally be making sure you like and give great ratings to this podcast and make some comments below so that you can tell Michelle, I got something out of this. I need help finding my tribe because Michelle's got tribes. I've got yeah. tribes and they're all out there. But you have to be the one that makes that decision. Yeah, we always hard, and the reason some people succeed is because they're willing to do hard things. And that's what I always talk about with having a, a stronger back. I'm going to choose to do hard things because if I don't, then what? Who's going to look after my clients and who's going to train my agents and who's going to be a better wife than me and who's going to be a better mom than me? No, suck it up. Put your big girl panties on and do it. Amen to that. Amen to that. Uh, and honestly, the people who get through the hard things are the ones who are probably on this podcast with me, right? Because we've gone through some hard things and we've refused to give up during those times. Um, I think a lot of a lot of what we've talked about, whether it's COVID, whether it's 2008's market, whether it's um, what's going on right now in Ukraine, you know, all of the things that are going on in our world, um, we have a lot of excuses and a lot of things in our heads that say, it's okay if I'm not doing well right now, because look at what is happening in this world. It's okay, right? Instead, it's just not, I look at life so differently and I just, well, the, the world keeps saying that I'm just going to point this out. It made me mad in the Olympics when one of the greatest gymnasts of all time decided that her mental health was out of place. Right. Because at a certain point you have to decide that you're committed to something and go forward. And we as a society have to stop celebrating when we quit. Now I, I know all of the, the real things of she could have gotten hurt and blah, blah, blah. I get it. But the overall message that we've all been trained on is don't worry about it, honey. Just go sleep on the couch, get a bag of Doritos, get under a blanket for it. No, 
stop it. You at some point you have to say to your to yourself, Lee Brown, stop it. No, 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 keep going. I, yep. I'll just say you gotta keep going some days, y'all. Just keep going. For sure. And the days that the days that you don't want to are the days that you should do it the most. So um Lee, I am so incredibly grateful for you. I love our friendship. I pray that we get to do more and more and more together as my baby is no longer as reliant on my body um, so that I can get out and travel a little more. Enjoy um, that. It goes away so fast. I know. I'm so grateful. Um, I'm so, so grateful to be a mom and to have a, a little boy that needs me as much as he does. Um, and he's just going to have to keep traveling with me because that's how we roll. Um, but uh, Lee, just thank you for being you. Thank you for pouring into my audience. And I can't wait to do this again. But all of y'all go follow her on Instagram at Lee Brown. Uh, and you will absolutely love her. Everything she does is just so powerful. Um, it's real and it's honest and it's no, no BS, uh, which is my kind of gal. So Lee, thank you for being here, everyone. That is another episode of the Coffee and Questions podcast. We will see you in our next episode. If you enjoyed this episode, please go follow my guests on social media. And if you enjoyed this podcast, please consider leaving us a review wherever you consume this content.